Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's a lot of reason to be really hopeful for this summer. Health experts say we may never achieve herd immunity for COVID-19, but that may not matter. The coronavirus safety protocols are working. Even as vaccine demand is slowing. A new wave of children is expected to start receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccination efforts are expanding. Looking to get back to life as normal. Summer camps, sleepovers, sporting events. And signs of life are emerging. More people will be allowed to cheer on the Brewers and Bucks this weekend. Soon the gates will open to a sense of normal as Summerfest returns in September. You think you guys missed the state fair? Trust us, we have missed you more. As the COVID-19 pandemic lingers, there is hope for the summer ahead. It's going to be a big year that the city of Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin is excited about getting out again. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson. Amanda St. Hilaire will be off for a period of time caring for her growing family. Amanda and her husband Steve welcomed their second child into the world last week, but we have a special guest host joining us today. He is one of the most likable Fox 6 News personalities, and I have to say, in my opinion, one of the most talented writers in the business. And he's crossing over from his own podcast, Definitely Milwaukee, to join us here on Open Record it's Carl Deffenbaugh. Hi, Carl. Hello, Brian. Wow, this is a wonderful podcast to be on if you need a little bit of boost or self-esteem push in the morning. Meant every word of it, and we're really glad to have you here. Now, obviously, you've been doing your own podcast, Definitely Milwaukee. For those who haven't listened because they've been listening only here so far to Open Record and haven't crossed over, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Sure. Well, I do have to preface this with we're on a little bit of a hiatus, which we'll get to uh, for my own family things going on uh, in my life. But we do have uh, some things in the works for over the summer and whatnot. And then while you guys dive into some of the the longer stories that you guys do, the investigative pieces, some of the big issues, big news of the day throughout Wisconsin and Milwaukee, I try to go a little bit in-depth with a different person, introduce you to some of the interesting people who run the show in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, in any different field. So entertainment, sports, we've had some wonderful chefs on there, um, some business leaders as well, and really get into the conversations about why Milwaukee is the place that they have set up shop, why they've had success or different failures even in their careers, and then also some fun stuff about how they uh, got started and some things that you may not expect from some of the biggest leaders, the biggest names in the city. I should point out we're recording this episode on Wednesday, May 12th for release on Thursday, May 13th. And Carl, there's so much to talk about in terms of what's going on in the news right now in general. And and we've been dealing with a pandemic now for well over a year. For a while, it just seemed like it was bad news after bad news. And and sort of like when you're in a movie and you just think, is this ever going to turn? This is ever going to start to get better. And I feel like we're maybe hitting that point where things are slowly giving way to life as we once remembered it. We're seeing sort of those signs of hope, life emerging, increased capacity at sporting events. We've got summer festivals and concerts that are finally being announced. 
But before we get to any of that, there's still a big challenge that remains. And I know you've been following this uh, as, as you report the news, but vaccine hesitancy is a real problem uh, in terms of trying to achieve whatever herd immunity would be. What are what are you seeing in terms of the stories we've been reporting on vaccine hesitancy and how that's sort of affecting our uh, attempts to get rid of this uh, this pandemic? It is certainly probably the number one topic when it comes to the coronavirus, specifically here in in Wisconsin and in the U.S., I think now we sort of had this transition from the huge effort from scientists and researchers all across the country and the world to develop vaccines, then the ramp up to actually produce and get them to people throughout the states. And now it seems we have reached that point where the supply maybe is outpacing the demand and it's convincing people that okay, now is the time to really embrace this. Now is the time to get your shot and get back to all those things that we miss about life as we're getting into spring and summer and so many of these positive things that we want to look forward to. It does seem like that is the the next challenge, the next hurdle for folks. I, I believe the latest numbers are about a third of Americans have received at least one dose. At least that was the case a few days ago as we were reporting. That's great. That's fantastic. And the U.S. and Britain are kind of outpacing the rest of the world in many ways when it comes to mass vaccinations. But that still means there's a a long way to go. And uh, from some of the stories we've been doing on Wake Up and here at Fox 6 this week, especially, it seems like it's going from those mass vaccination clinics, like what we saw at the Wisconsin Center and other places in the area, to more of a conversation, a a one-on-one meeting between a a doctor and a patient or a pediatrician and a parent and trying to discuss why these vaccines are so important alleviate some of the concerns, some of the misinformation that's out there and and convince people that it really is the right step to take. Well, and as you mentioned, we're seeing finally seeing demand uh, uh, dropping off and supply is is outpacing demand. I was just going over some emails and voicemails that weren't from that long ago from people who were still making the case that their specialty, their line of work, their whatever should be a priority for getting the vaccine. We've now long since surpassed the the time when we have to pick and choose who can get it. It's now about convincing people who are on the fence to go out and get a vaccine. Absolutely. And uh, a, a little bit of a perspective for me, um, you may or may not know this, Brian, or, or the listeners, but my parents actually live overseas. And I think we forget how fortunate, how lucky we are to be here in the States where the vaccine ramp up has happened so quickly. My parents uh, and my sister, for that matter, both all live in Switzerland. My parents have been able to get their vaccinations now because of uh, their age group. They were in one of the earlier demographics. My sister, who's only a few years older than me, uh, is still waiting. They're still not eligible in that country. And that's one of the you know richest most developed countries in Europe right now. So the fact that we have the access here in the U.S., let alone what a place like India is dealing with right now with one of the worst crises we're seeing in the world and the need for vaccines and treatments in that country, we're really fortunate to have access to it. And I think sometimes people can take that for granted, but it's out there. Take advantage of it. Get get that shot. Well, the COVID-19 vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, and, and the Johnson & Johnson here in the United States have been approved under an emergency use authorization and up until now only approved for those 16 and older. And so as the that effort has been geared toward trying to get us towards something that resembles herd immunity, trying to knock back this, this pandemic, one of the concerns has been there's a big segment of the population that's not even eligible, and that's children under the age of 16. That's beginning to change just this week. The FDA announcing that Pfizer has now been approved under that same emergency authorization for kids age 12 to 15. Um, Tell me a little bit about that and, and what a difference maker that could be. 
Yeah, it's a huge chunk. Uh, I believe the numbers are that accounts for about 17 million people in the U.S. that are now going to be eligible once the the CDC officially approves, which I think could happen today. Again, and very active people, people involved in yes, activities. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you're thinking school sports, uh, activities, band, things like that. All all the things that are such a a vibrant part of your childhood experience. Those are opportunities to do those in a more normal way, and um, I think that's going to be fantastic. Right as we're getting into the summer months, and then of course have a little bit of time here until the new school year begins. One of the biggest stories that we've covered has been whether or not schools in different areas are opening up, whether they're switching back to in-person learning or virtual. And this allows more of those decisions to be more easily made, I think. If more and more children, more and more teenagers in this case, or 12-year-olds are getting vaccinated, that puts a lot less pressure on the teachers to worry about their own health and what they're bringing back to their their houses, their families. And it certainly allows the, the parents to feel a little safer about sending their kids to school also. And again, I think we just go back to with the vaccine hesitancy and with this latest group being eligible, the science behind it. I think people were cautious. I was probably the same way initially that everything was happening so fast in terms of development and these approvals. But all of this has gone through the necessary steps. All of this has passed through the check marks that scientists, that researchers, that officials with the U.S. government, the FDA and CDC put in place for this purpose. And they've passed those tests so far, especially the Pfizer vaccine and Moderna to some degree with flying colors. So these are next checkpoints are happening for a reason. Uh, Brian, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I am so thankful that for, for most of this, at least, COVID-19 has not had as big an impact on children, on younger people in our, our area as it has on the older generation. I think a lot of people, a lot of parents, myself included, would be probably more freaked out about it if it was spreading as rampantly among children as it does, uh, unfortunately, among the elderly, among people with serious underlying conditions. That doesn't mean that those kids shouldn't get vaccinated, though. Now that we know well, the and, safety... Well, that's, that's a big question, though, Carl, because you, you look at the, the hesitancy that exists for adults and getting the, the vaccine for themselves. Now, there are a number of parents now who are looking at this and going, OK, this is still new. Though. This is still happened within a year. Um, and now you're talking about my child. And if my child is not at any great risk, there are certainly a lot of parents who look at it and go, do I really want my my kids to get this brand new shot? It's a question that's out there. And that's why I know a lot of health experts are saying, talk to your doctor, talk to your pediatrician, have that conversation. It's OK to be unsure. It's OK to be hesitant, but have the conversation and really talk about it from a medical perspective, not from a political or a, a conspiracy theory perspective. Really get the information and understand what you're talking about doing. Obviously, parents, you have young children, Carl, uh, you know that you get vaccinations for all sorts of other things. Things. The question is, how do you feel about this one that's been developed within just the last year? Yeah, there's so many things that we don't have to worry about when it comes to measles and polio and all these things that are not issues for us in everyday life now, at least here in the States, because of vaccination. So absolutely have that conversation with your pediatrician. Uh, we got a, a mass email from our pediatrician yesterday. They're ready to vaccinate anyone age 12 and older. So they're starting that ramp up again. And, and yes, while the younger children don't seem as susceptible, certainly the younger and younger you get, we have seen in groups that are in their 20s and even into high school, it can still spread like that. It, it can still at least affect maybe the parents or, or other members of the family. So it does seem like a, a, a safe and reasonable thing to do. Again, as you're comfortable, 
have those conversations. I would say the same thing. Uh, my wife is pregnant, Brian, which I think we might uh, touch on here in a little bit. Um, those conversations certainly happen between my wife and her OBGYN and, and with a lot of expecting mothers out there as well. Initially, it was a decision about, okay, do we need to get her vaccinated as well or not? Uh, there were questions about pregnant women. And then more and more research comes out, more and more numbers and studies come out that it is safe. It actually can be beneficial in terms of passing antibodies on to your, your newborn child. So we decided to follow the science and follow our doctor's recommendations on that as well. So it's it's obviously we're seeing that it's expansion to to kids. And we're also starting to see that open up opportunities that the the more people are vaccinated. And this, Carl, I think is really it's the theme of this podcast is that sense that there are signs of life. And we've been waiting for this. Is this going to be another summer like last summer where everything's shut down and we're still trying to sort of just survive through Zoom? Or is this going to be a year where we can start to do things together? And we're seeing that open up. We've already seen the Milwaukee Brewers with with fans at 25% capacity. They opened up some tailgating. It's not what we remember. It's not what it once was, but it's getting there. It's not all canned noise anymore from the crowds. But now an announcement that the Brewers and Bucks are both going to be able to increase capacity to 50%. That's going to feel a lot more like a normal sports crowd. Absolutely. And I think, thankfully, uh, we will not have a summer like we had last summer. We won't have to go through that in our isolated bubbles uh, again, hopefully. At least that's that's the way it seems to be going. Uh, I'm not sure if, if you've gotten about and, and started to do some things, Brian. I went to my first Bucks game since before the pandemic. I was actually at the, the last game before the shutdown, and they were talking about, you know, installing sanitizing stations. They were taking all these measures, and then, of course, the world shut down. I went to a game recently, finally, for the first time now that I was vaccinated, and it was odd that was before the uh, expansion of capacity so it was very strange sitting in that upper bowl at, at Pfizer Forum that gorgeous arena downtown and looking down and just seeing like swaths of empty seats and it certainly wasn't the same uh, raucous atmosphere that we're used to but it was something right I got to watch Giannis in person again I got to cheer him on against the Sixers and I think it's only going to get better from there 50% is going to make a huge difference in terms of the fan atmosphere and I think the enjoyment of of things at Bucks games and certainly at Brewers games I mean, to be honest, I've been to Brewers games that have far less than 50% capacity and still well, have that's, a great you know, time. It's interesting. There, there are teams around the league, certainly, that, that would never reach 50% capacity. I mean, I think of some of those seasons where, that, what was it, the Florida Marlins were barely putting, you know, the 5,000, 10,000 fans in the stands. Thankfully, here in Milwaukee, we have a lot more demand for uh, for support of our baseball team and, and, and our basketball team. But and, and, and certainly, you can imagine what it's going to look like this fall if the Packers are able to fill Lambeau Field to 50% or beyond um, and, and make it feel more like the, the Packers games we remember, whether or not Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. That's a topic for a whole other <laughs> That's podcast. That's a separate episode. We'll bring, we'll bring TVV on for that. But obviously, as those things begin to become more normalized. That's one of the big signs. I, I feel like, you know, restaurants have been open and some people haven't been going. I've been to a couple of restaurants and now that I'm fully vaccinated, there's certainly a comfort level that might not have been there before. Um, we've all been going to the grocery store and doing many of these other things. But the piece that has felt like it was missing is those large public gatherings, concerts, sporting events, whatever, you know, maybe, you know, my, my wife and I had uh, a six pack uh, of tickets to, uh, to, to the, um, to the Marcus for, uh, you know, musicals, and we didn't get to go to them because they were canceled. So, or most of them. So sort of looking forward to going and seeing the arts and being in crowds. And we're seeing more of that, but probably if you're talking about a Milwaukee summer, the biggest missing piece has been state fair and Summerfest. And I think without those two things and, of course, all of the other festivals that go along with them, 
it just didn't feel like Milwaukee last year. And now I think when the announcement came that State Fair is happening, I think that was the moment where everybody said, okay, I think I think this summer is going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it, we're blessed to have outdoor festivals that, that help with people's comfort levels as well, that yes, we can gather and get a lot of people in the, at an event more safely since it is outdoors. I don't know about you. I, I've recently kind of gotten back to some of this stuff like a Bucks game or restaurants or seeing friends in different places that I hadn't done in to the large degree, or certainly like I used to. You kind of joked about me being one of the more personable people. I love going out and enjoying shows in Milwaukee and restaurants and all that. I didn't realize maybe how much I'd missed it or how that had affected me over the last year. I'm still, I think, a pretty happy-going guy, but I was definitely like, I don't know, just more down about stuff. So you, you, Carl, you're you're an extrovert. Yeah, absolutely. I love. Are, are you are you that? So I, I think we might be kindred spirits here. Are you someone who sort of feeds off of and gets energy from being around friends, being around crowds, being around other people? One hundred percent. Just being out and about. This is such a fantastic city we live in. So having things on the calendar, having things for me to look forward to, you know, whether it's travel this far flung or just going to a game, going to a restaurant, being around a crowd of people, hearing an audience cheer, whether it's for a home run or for an amazing song or something like that. Yes, that has absolutely been missing in my life. And obviously that's far secondary to what many families have dealt with during the pandemic. I've been healthy. My family's been healthy. But to get some of that back this year, to have those things on the horizon to look forward to, it's it's fantastic. I automatically felt better basically from the week that I started doing things when I was fully vaccinated until now. I know that we've been uh, you've been on Wake Up making some of these exclusive announcements about the the big acts coming to State Fair. Can you tell us about what's been released so far? Because I know there's more to come yet this week. Yeah, absolutely. So the very first one was today, Wednesday. Probably by the time this podcast posts, there'll be another one uh, from Thursday. But we're doing these Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on Wake Up. You a big foreigner fan, Brian? Is that uh, up your alley? You know what? It's it's funny. We had tickets to see. Uh, well, we went to an Admirals game a couple of years ago. Foreigner was going to uh, appear after the game, as as Admirals will often have these mini concerts afterwards and the lead singer had a, a problem with his vocals and they had to cancel and we had oh, a no. big group we had 20 or 30 people there to see foreigner and and foreigner didn't play and i've never gotten to go back and see them so i'm absolutely looking forward to seeing foreigner at state fair that was a great announcement Absolutely. And a couple of the acts that they had or were supposed to have last year are coming back. I was really excited about Boys to Men because that was a, a favorite band of our group of some of my friends in high school. So I think my wife and I will be there for that. Um, when you come when it comes to Summerfest, the big change this year is going to be kind of spread out over the three weekends. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm maybe more so as like a morning anchor who gets up at 2.30 in the morning every day. I'm pretty excited about that because it's actually spread out over more days that I don't have to get up at 2.30 the next morning. That's a good point. You know, it's I think there's something that is, you know, that is great about that continuous festival, except for usually sure. the one day break in between. And some people make sort of a, a vacation out of it. They'll take 10 days off and say, this is my vacation is spending it at Summerfest. I don't know how they afford all the drinks and food, but uh, but it sounds like a blast to say that's going to be my vacation. But but this is an interest. I, first of all, just to have it back is great. But the idea of it being over three weekends, when like you said, if you don't work weekends and you've got that ability to go party all night at, at Summerfest and not to worry too much about it the next day, yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. And and something later in the year too. I don't think we've had a September festival of this magnitude before. That will be interesting as schools have ramped up but yet we're still sort of trying to live out our summer. 
Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's a good point. Maybe a little bit harder to get some of the, the teenage crowd out there if it's a school night or if they're gearing up for spring sport or fall sports or something like that. I'm excited, though. I'll be very curious what they do in terms of the protocols. Obviously, it's all outdoors and whatnot, but how much, how much you'll have to be in, in socially distant settings or in pods or things like that at Summerfest, I'll, I'll be curious to see, but I'm sure they're working all that out right now. Now, before we go on, there's there's a couple more things I want to hit before we go off the record with, with Sarah. And and one of them is uh, we said we want to talk about the Deffenbach camp growing. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about a story you recently aired um, and put together. Just a fantastic story on you talk about signs of life. And throughout this pandemic, we've had to look for entertainment in ways maybe we haven't found it before. And TikTok's been one of those places. But a, a local man, Daniel LaBelle, who has uh, talked about taking off as a TikTok sensation, it, I think sensation is understatement tell me a little bit about him who he is and and what he's doing to make such a name for himself yeah so we'll joke sometimes or or do stories on on fox 6 where hey you know this local person person has gone viral or they've had a video that's caught on with you know in reality it's a few thousand views maybe you know ten thousand hundred thousand something like that this guy has hundreds of millions of likes and tens of millions of followers. It's incredible. So it's a guy named Daniel LaBelle who's all over TikTok, also pretty big on, on YouTube and Instagram and some other places. If, if no one has checked him out, just search Daniel L-A-B-E-L-L-E. And he does this really hilarious form of physical comedy where he kind of puts himself in different situations as if he was someone who for example, could float through air. Like, what if you did a mundane, normal task, but you just floated through the air? And he'll be, like, ironing a shirt in slow motion, floating through air. He's so incredibly coordinated, too. Yes! Yes, absolutely. Or if he jumped everywhere. So he'll go in the kitchen and make coffee, but he's, like, hopping up and down the entire time he's doing it. So you have to check out the videos for the full effect. I'm not doing Daniel justice here. But he was a wedding photographer based in Kenosha County and then did jobs, obviously, in Milwaukee and Chicago all over. And he'd start kind of experimenting with TikTok before the pandemic, so before everything shut down. But then once the pandemic hit, all of his gigs, his weddings were getting postponed and canceled. He had all this time, so he just kind of threw himself into this and absolutely blew up. So he has more than 18 million followers now on TikTok. He gets just 18 million followers, not individual views. 18 million people who follow his videos. The likes on TikTok were like close to 400 million. It was insane what he would get overall on these different videos. And all of it has just happened pretty much in the last year as he's found this wave, found this niche that people really respond to and kind of wrote it. It's it's great. He's an incredibly down-to-earth guy, really grounded. His wife is fantastic. She's adorable and sweet. And they do most of these videos in this just very normal-looking house that she decorates in Kenosha County. And the fun thing about doing the story, too, was I got so many people responding who said, oh, my gosh, I had no idea he was local, no idea he was a Wisconsin guy because – He's that big. They follow him. He's he's known across the country, probably across the world. But, yeah, he's from right here in our neck of the woods. Now, one thing I noticed is it, you, you were working with, obviously, a, just an amazing photographer, Suzanne Barthel. And I've got to think when you are doing a story on someone who does really creative videos that look great and are edited so creatively, there's got to be a little pressure on you and, and I'm sure on Suzanne to make this look good. And and it did. It was a it was a tremendous story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, both Suzanne and I felt a little bit more pressure than normal on this one, knowing that, you know, if he reshares something, it's going to get a lot more views than we're uh, maybe used to. But Suzanne is fantastic, did such a good job with the the humor of it as well, right? He does physical comedy, but then we were able to hopefully weave in some stuff with his recollections about how the 
what he was thinking as this blew up and as this was all taking place and paired that with some of the behind the scenes footage as well of how he makes these videos around the house paired with the final footage, the final clip was was fun to work on for sure. Suzanne's the best. So the pandemic has certainly accelerated his uh, online career, but the pandemic has been for all of us has been has been a tough time and it's something we're all going to look back on uh, with, with all sorts of memories, good and bad. But uh, for you, uh, coming out of it, not only are we looking toward festivals and other great signs of hope, there's some tremendous signs of hope in the Deaf and Ball household as your camp is growing uh, from three to four. Tell us about that. Yes, indeed. I'm hoping I can still go to these festivals and all these fun events I'm looking forward to. I'm going to be a little busy, though. Uh, my wife is pregnant, as I mentioned, and uh, the surprise is that she's due very soon. So the due date is June 5th, um, but our first daughter was two and a half weeks early, so really any day now I could get that call. I was checking my phone very uh, frantically this morning, making sure I wasn't missing any uh, updates or reasons to leave the set <laughs> in a hurry but we're having another baby girl very excited about that it was not planned as a pandemic baby like a lot of people were talking about at the beginning of the pandemic it just this thing keeps going on and on and we were ready to have another kid so so be it but you are not planning on taking off for any ultimate frisbee tournaments is that right <laughs> so that is the story yes i have told my wife i will be not driving to Minnesota anywhere in the next month or so. Uh, for people who don't know, again, our first child, our beautiful daughter Lila, came about two and a half weeks early. I did get approval from my wife's doctor, so I don't put this all on me that I was allowed to go to an ultimate Frisbee tournament in Minnesota. Um, what ended up being the weekend our daughter was born, the doctor said, oh yeah, no problem. You've got all kinds of time. First kid, it's going to be like right close to the due date. So I was basically arriving to our team hotel. I was in my minivan, you know, drive of a minivan with whole uh, van full of teammates was driving into our team hotel outside of Minnesota Friday night as we were getting ready for this big tournament Saturday Sunday got a text my wife's water had broken and I said hey guys uh, I'm gonna drop you off and then I'm I'm gonna have to drive back to Milwaukee so we live about 10 minutes from the hospital and in effect it took me 10 hours to drive Milwaukee to Minneapolis and back again to get to the hospital but I made it there by the birth that's the other most important thing about this you made it in time, uh, but that was an awful lot of time on the road. It must have been an anxious yeah. time on the road. My wife had to get a ride to the hospital from some very nice friends of ours, <laughs> Shane and Max, who I am eternally indebted to. She got to the hospital on her own. I got there with plenty of time to spare for the uh, the main event. And I can say this, by the way, you, if, if she, if your if your new child is born, if she gives birth uh, in in June, you have three months till Summerfest and and a couple of months till State Fair, and you are one of the best with a baby Bjorn. I've seen it. You're outstanding. You'll be, you'll be just fine. Um, do you have tips for me on kid number two? How do I handle juggling all this new? Uh... You, you, uh, it's you, you've got two of you, so that's 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 two of you, two kids. You'll be just fine. Okay. You get to the third one. I can't tell you. I've only got two myself. But I think that's a good time for us to take this podcast off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. And to ask us that question, we're once again joined by executive producer Sarah Smith. Hi, Sarah. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, I am prepared today with a question that I always feel like these kind of questions really dig to the bottom of your personality and, you know, um, they always make me laugh. Uh, and then I have to think about my answer, too. So my question today for Off the Record is... You are walking to your refrigerator, and you open the door, and you get to keep two condiments for the rest of the year. That's it. 
two condiments that you can use for the remainder of 2021. Which two do you pick? I, I need to clarify, are salad dressings counted in condiments or is that separate? Nope, I think that's a condiment. Okay. I feel like uh, sauces are condiments. Okay. Okay. I, I'm I'm going to jump in and say uh, one of them for sure, which I have fallen in love with in the past year, is uh, it's like a chipotle aioli mayo that I put on like every sandwich. I have it with chicken breast. I have it with anything. It's fantastic and delicious. So I'm keeping the chipotle aioli mayo. And I guess I've got to keep like something for salads, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I want I want to like sound healthy and say like a raspberry vinaigrette, but I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably gonna say ranch. If that's if that's all I've got to got to have, I, um, then I guess I'll say the ranch. Because ranch, I feel like ranch can go on more than just salads. Ranch is a universal right, it, right. And and I, I'm also thing. thinking about my kids and what they're gonna want, and they're gonna go ooh vinaigrette, but like ranch, they'll put it, you know, whatever. They'll dip their chicken nuggets. So I, that's fine. Right. I mean, you could dip shoe leather in ranch, and it would be good. So. Have you guys ever heard of ranch on pizza or pizza crust with ranch? Yes. Okay. Sounds I thought amazing. that was just something I ran into yes. with some friends in Virginia, but yeah, it's it's not bad. All right, Carl. How about you? Honestly, I probably use ketchup the most with different fries and burgers and things like that, but I'll try to go with some like spicy barbecue sauce maybe as a, something that could work in both ways then. We'd cover a lot of bases when we're grilling for this awesome summer we're about to have. And then does salsa count? Because if so, I'm going to go with this fantastic Ooh. salsa. Sarah knows this from the best taco truck in the city of Milwaukee. <laughs> it's uh, my go-to, my wife's favorite, and their salsa is fantastic. They keep the, the tacos real simple, but the meat's wonderful, and then the salsa really makes it. So we always keep the extra packets in there, so I'm going to go with that. Now, look at how festive his house sounds. Now, they're barbecuing with spicy barbecue sauce, <laughs> and they're having salsa from a food truck. And, and, and I'm over, I'm over here with chipotle mayo and ranch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if yeah, it wasn't con- you're keeping your salads healthy with ranch. <laughs> right, right. I'm balanced. If it wasn't it's a balanced. condiment, if it was just anything. I know. I'm not if, mad. If it was just anything in the fridge, not a condiment, I can tell you that my guilty pleasure is this trail mix that I make that my wife thinks I'm absolutely addicted to and I have like every day when I get home. But you said condiment, so I won't go with that. Wait, wait, I want to know about this trail mix, though. Does it, The question is, does and it, ha- does it have... And why does that stay in the fridge? See, this is my personal recipe. It's very simple, but I make it myself, mix it up. Honey roasted peanuts, raisins, and peanut butter M&Ms. That's the key. I was going to ask if it had M&Ms. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It has way too many M&Ms for what I consider to be a healthy snack, but whatever. Doesn't... Doesn't every good trail mix have, have M&M's in them? <laughs> it's got to have a chocolate component. And then it suddenly just becomes component. dessert. If you it's get a handful of just the peanuts and raisins, you're like, that yeah. was a waste. I should have another one now. Yeah. Um, so my my initial thought, I, I really enjoy mayo <laughs> um, and ranch. But then I was like, those are pretty similar. So I felt like I needed a barbecue sauce or something. So I definitely would keep ranch because I, I literally – what's that uh, – there's a commercial where it's like, I put that on everything. I li- <laughs> That's ranch Frank's like, hot sauce, which, by the uh, way, I buy... thought Red Hot, Frank's Red yes. Hot, I considered that because I do That's put that one. on eggs. I put it on chicken. I put it on all kinds of things. Yeah. But my kids, no. So I thought if, if we've got to keep it for the household, not the Frank's Red Hot. Right. But I feel like if I'm keeping the ranch for the kids and me, I probably should take something for me. So, uh, yeah, maybe a hot sauce. I feel like we do a lot of hot sauces. We have about six or seven open in the fridge at any point. So, um, And one random thing, which made me think about this, as Carl talked about ketchup, we don't keep our ketchup in the refrigerator. What? Is that safe? I haven't gotten sick yet. (laughs) So when I grew up, so (laughs) it's a big, like, point of contention in our house. So... 
I grew up and we never put the ketchup in the refrigerator. It was always just, <laughs> okay, you guys can't see it. Carl has given me this look like you are nutty. Um, so I grew up not having ketchup in the refrigerator. So then I, that's just how I've lived my life. And now at nearly 40, I still don't keep it in the refrigerator. And people, yes, think I'm crazy, but none, I've never gotten sick. I feel like there's enough stabilizers there's and plenty of preservatives and salt and acid. Right. I don't know. It do, I, And then I argued with my husband that I'm like, it doesn't say to refrigerate it. I think it does like best if kept refrigerated. So maybe now it's just better ketchup. It's not the best ketchup it could be. This is interesting, though, because I, I never in, in, in Wisconsin, of all places, a dairy state. I wonder if this is a thing. But um, my wife has never kept the butter in the refrigerator. She keeps the butter in, in a pantry cabinet or, or a, right. in, in, a, in, a, in a cupboard and and it makes sense that it's nice and soft when you want to spread it on bread so we always have but but I assumed butter would go bad now that I think about it it's like all salt and fat it doesn't it's fine but um and now right. I'm used to having it out all the time but we when I grew up we never had butter just out getting warm and so I think like though the ketchup thing is great because you have hot fries room temp ketchup really great it doesn't you know it's like cold ketchup to me now i'm like so i don't know i know it's weird but this concerns me now for my level of ketchup intake like what is in that that i've been putting in my body all these years if it's totally fine out of the fridge i mean at least it's cold it's on the shelves warm but it's sealed like you know at the store it's not like it's kept in the refrigerated section but like ranch i wouldn't keep that after i open it up in the you know warm Turns right? out Sarah just has this fire immune system that's been trained over years and years of dealing with rancid ketchup. I wonder how many so of the things that sauce. we naturally refrigerate, how many of the things we naturally put in could be okay in the cupboard if you left them there. <laughs> that's fair. Now, I will tell you one, one, Next on open record, no, <laughs> one last thing that, that I, this is a forewarning because my kids like they like the magic shell, like to put on ice cream. Oh, Don't make the mistake when you get home from the store of sticking it in the refrigerator because it defeats the purpose of the magic shell. It doesn't. It, and when, when it thaws back out, then it doesn't work the same. This has happened twice. It like, now. yeah, it kind of gets weird. This has happened twice. So make sure the magic shell doesn't go in the fridge. We're going to have to have a lot of fine print at the end of this podcast. <laughs> doesn't my house sound super healthy? We've got the ranch dressing, the chipotle mayo. We've got some magic shell. But there, I, I don't refrigerate my ketchup, so if I don't, we all have our downfalls. <laughs> if I don't have to pick two, there is vinaigrette in there, so that there's my balance. Carl, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us. Uh, this has been fantastic, probably longer than we've gone in a while, because you and I both love to talk. And we've determined, Sarah, you missed this before you came on, but but Carl and I are both extroverts who love people, and uh, and we're excited about the summer ahead. That's good. Me too. Okay, so we got me a, too. I, boy, surprise! A bunch of extroverts will do a podcast for people to listen to. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is great having you on the podcast, Carl. Um, and keep up the good work, and and uh, you know, and, and good luck with the the growing family. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be on a little bit of a hiatus from a work work for a while, and instead I'll be knee-deep in diapers. So any help you can send my way would be great. Don't forget, if you have a question you'd like to submit for our off-the-record segment or you want a topic uh, that you think we should discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>